Uh, but let me transition, guys, um, to scripture reading today. Uh, if you don't know, we have been going through a series in the book of Acts, and we are now in Acts chapter 6. So can I, can I read uh, our scripture passage for today? Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. And this is the English Standard Version. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Can I pray again, guys? Um, God, I just pray uh, your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the songs that we have declared, the truth, God. I believe, I believe in you. I believe in uh, God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit, God, the fullness of who you are. We've declared these truths. Uh, we've worshiped together. We've heard testimony. And now, God, as we open up your word, I pray that you would speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So again, we've been going through this series in the book of Acts, um, and we have been challenged to reimagine the church, reimagine the church, because, because we've seen that it is the disrupting presence of the Holy Spirit that shakes us out of our norms, Right? It's the disrupting presence of the Holy Spirit that shakes us out of our tendencies, out of our fears, out of our stereotypes, out of our hurts. And it's the presence of the Holy Spirit that restores us, that we can join him in bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? So this is the testimony in the book of Acts that we see. You know, Luke, the physician Luke, he writes... And he wrote the Gospel of Luke to document Jesus' ministry. And then in the book of Acts, you know, uh, the, the first few decades of the church. Um, and we see, in the book of Acts, we see powerful manifestations, right, of, of God's disrupting presence. If you guys remember that first Pentecost, tongues of fire fell upon the, 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 the disciples and they began speaking God's glory in different languages, and we've seen God's heart for all cultures, all people, right? And we've seen miracles, uh, signs and wonders, healings, and thousands of people being saved in like just a matter of days. Like this is, this is miraculous stuff. We're seeing the disrupting presence of the Holy Spirit. 
But at the same time, we know that the enemy, and Jesus talks about the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We see that the enemy is right there, right alongside, because he hates Jesus, and he hates us because he knows that Jesus loves us so much. And so we have seen also the enemy try to thwart God's plan and try to disrupt the church. Um, you know, last week, Pastor Sungmin, he took us through Acts chapter 5. Um, and, and just there's like this section where we get a window to see uh, the types of persecution, of opposition that the church faced. And so last week, as we looked at Acts chapter 5, you know, the religious leaders, you guys remember, the religious leaders of the time, they were kind of like the politicians, the people in power. Uh, they were not fans of Jesus. Right? They, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't want, they thought that, uh, that Jesus on the cross was victory for them. And they didn't want anyone preaching in his name because that was threatening their way of life, their power, their whole system, their, their thoughts of what, um, you know, the, the good life is. Um, and so the religious leaders locked away Peter and the apostles. We saw this last week. And then they threatened them. They were like, hey, cease teaching in this name. They didn't even want to say Jesus. They couldn't even say Jesus' name. They said, stop teaching in this name. Uh, basically saying, hey, stop it, you know, or else. And, and they were so angry. Uh, well, Peter and the apostles, their response was, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to obey God, not, not you guys. We're going we're gonna to be, be witness to everything that we know that God has done. Everything that we have seen and heard of Jesus, we're going to be witnesses to these things. And we're going to be obedient to God, not, not to you. And they were so angry, so furious, like to the point they, they were ready to kill them. The, the uh, religious leaders were ready to kill the apostles. But instead, they, they beat them. They gave him another warning, said, stop doing this or else, and then they let him go. And then what did the apostles do? Scripture says they rejoiced. They rejoiced uh, to, be, to be able to, to suffer in Jesus' name. Man. So last week we saw how Satan uses uh, violence and persecution to threaten the church. Now this week in our passage today, we see something much more subtle. But it is still Satan threatening the church. Satan deploys two threats that are actually difficult to see unless we're really paying attention. I don't know if when, as, as I was reading if you guys took note of them. But these two threats, the first threat was the threat of dissension. Everyone say dissension. You might be like me, like, I know what that means, kind of. <laughs> threat of dissension. And the second one, the threat of distraction. Say distraction. So the first threat, the threat of dissension or Disagreement that, le that leads to discord, disharmony, dispute, strife, conflict, okay? Dissension. So what's happening? They get a complaint. They get a complaint from the Hellenists. 
Now, it's an interesting thing. If you look in the Greek, the word used for complaint is gogusmos. Can you say that? Gogusmos. And, and gogusmos is actually an onomatopoeia. I don't know if I'm saying that right. You know, you know what an onomatopoeia is? Like a word that describes a sound. Gogusmos is an is a ancient Greek uh, onomatopoeia. I've got to stop saying that. But what it means is, I, I'm trying to, I try to like imagine how, how, that, how that's, uh, I'm going to say it one more time, an onomatopoeia, gogusmos, gogusmos, gogusmos. Okay, so what it means, uh, what it means is it's more uh, of a, a, a grumbling or a murmuring. It's a, it's, it, it denotes uh, when people are speaking in private in low tones, usually to, dis, to express like dissatisfaction. So it's complaining, but not, compl- hey, uh, you know, some things are going wrong here. It's not that kind of a, a formal complaint. It's a grumbling in the secret. Uh, 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 a whispering, a smoldering. Um, and so what was happening in this new church was this undercurrent of constant and secret whispering that finally grew loud enough, right, that the leaders became aware of it. But you guys know, right, what happens when this kind of grumbling and whispering, this smoldering, like, continues. Like, we know, right? It, 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 there's like one or two ways that, that, that is going to uh, result. It's either it will be taken care of well, or it will cause division and splintering. And so, you know, as I, as I talk about this, so the, there was complaints, there was grumbling from the Hellenists. And the point of, of saying all this is not so much to blame the Hellenists either, because I think we, we also we have to try to understand the situation. So who are the Hellenists? Uh, the Hellenists are, is basically, it's, it's saying, so if you guys know the diaspora, the, the dispersion of the Jews, right? So, I mean, this is like kind of ancient stuff, but in, in that world, I mean, it's similar, like any, okay, so I'm, a, I'm like a Korean diaspora. I, I, my parents are from Korea, and then they moved away, and then, but I, so I'm, I'm Korean, right, in, in my blood, but kind of my culture is, is something else, right? And so even, <laughs> embarrassing, I've been in Korea for 15, 16 years, I still can't speak Korean, and I'm still kind of like this foreigner here, um, I look Korean, but I'm not, but you know, but I'm, but I'm not. And so the Hellenists were kind of like that. They were, they were Greek speaking Jews, culturally Greek Jews, but they uh, were, were back in Jerusalem. Uh, and, and it's said that, uh, it kind of makes sense because the, the, the diaspora Jews, they tended to return to Jerusalem in their old age. So if they would live their life kind of like doing business and, and doing their things, you know, somewhere else in, in, in Greek-speaking uh, surrounding areas, that in their old age they would come back to Jerusalem in hopes of being buried in the Holy Land. So you can imagine then, because we know that the, the grumbling was, the Hellenists, uh, the Hellenists were, were, were grumbling that their widows were not being taken care of that their widows were not receiving uh, the food uh, that was being shared uh, among those that were in need. And so it's a legitimate complaint. 
right? It's a legitimate need. But at the same time, as it's this grumbling and this kind of, as this stuff is happening, the threat, the threat of dissension, the threat of, of kind of tearing uh, the community apart, you know, over a legitimate uh, reason, uh, there was a threat from the inside and the outside. Now, from the inside, just among, among the Hellenists and then the, the, uh, the what do you call the Jerusalem, Jerusalem Jews? <laughs> the Jerusalem Jews. Um, division there, inside. But then the threat from outside too. People like hearing about it and be like, man, you, you guys are supposed to be Jesus followers. Jesus said love each other. You, you, can't even take care of your, you can't even take care of yourselves. You can't even take care of your, your widows. And so there was this great need, this great hurt and a lack of care uh, for those in the community. And they needed it. So that was going on. Legitimate need. And through that legitimate, legitimate need comes the second threat. The threat of distraction. The distraction that... The leaders, the, the teachers, the, 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 the apostles would be pressured to serve tables instead of praying and preaching the word of God. This distraction that serving tables should come over and above prayer and ministry of the word. And there's a strong argument for that. I'm someone who would, nine, nine times out of ten, I would be, I'm the kind of guy that argues for that. Like, hey man, like, you say, you say you're going to pray for someone? Like, don't just pray, give them food. Don't just sing a song about it, do it. You know, we should be like Jesus. Who's Jesus? Jesus is the guy, like, even on the day of his, that he's going to be captured to be crucified, he gets down on his knees, he wraps a towel around his waist, and he washes Feet. This is Jesus. That's how we need to be. That's how we need to live. We need to serve. Let's serve, right? And so there's that pressure, and it seems right. Like you guys are probably sitting here, like, yeah, 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 that sounds right. It sounds right. And it's not like, it's not that it's wrong, but it is a distraction, potentially a major distraction, because it cannot come over and above what God has called the church to do. And one of the main things is prayer and ministry of the word. Now, it might have even been that, uh, you know, when this issue was brought up, you know, like uh, when, 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 there's, when there's an emergency, when there's a fire, like people just run and just kind of respond and react and do it, right? So I imagine that when, when this was happening, probably some of the leaders, they probably did. They probably went and did that and tried to figure out how to, how to take care of the situation, you know, distribute the food, wait on tables and make sure everyone's taken care of. There's a theologian, Alistair Begg, and he says this. 
He says that this passage teaches not that waiting on tables is bad, for it is absolutely indispensable, but that waiting on tables cannot take the place of the ministry of the Word of God. And that is why soup kitchens cannot take the place of the ministry of the Word of God. That is why social action cannot take the place of the proclamation of God's truth. That is why singing cannot take the place of the proclamation of God's word. It is God's word which is light and reality and food. See, because it's only the ministry of God's word that gets us to the root of all these things. It gets us to the root of suffering and need. It's only God's word that's going to get us to the root of these things. Now, taking care of those that are suffering, it's good. It's necessary. Taking care and restoring those that are suffering, that are hurting, covering over needs, feeding the hungry, providing shelter for those that are homeless. (laughs) And And I'm saying all these things, listing these things off as though... These are incredibly difficult things, right? That require deep, deep sacrifice. And so I'm not saying that those things are, are, are light or easy or something, but, but the root of all these things, the root of the suffering and all of the need is sin, Right? It's my sin, it's your sin. It's that, it's that selfishness, right? It's, that, it's that, that desire for autonomy. I'm going to do what I want, do, do, you know, live my life how I want to live, do what is right in my own eyes, rather than submit to God. This is the root of all suffering, and it's only God's word that's going to put a light on the root. It's only God's word that's going to shine a light into the real need that all of us have. It's God's word time and time again, which brings us back to knowing who God is, who we are, and what what the world needs. Now, the world needs love, right? <laughs> everyone, everyone can agree to that. The world needs love. But the world needs the love that is found only in the blood of Christ. Poured out on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. And it's only the ministry of the word that's going to remind people, that's going to bring that truth, that's going to restore life from death. And so waiting on tables, soup kitchens, social action, these are good things, but they cannot replace the ministry of the word. I was talking to a friend um, recently, and we share, uh, we share like different... Uh, uh, he, he's he's a he's a he's a pastor and he he prepares uh, sermons every week and and every every week that he's preparing he kind of shares the things that he's learning and and researching and uh, he sent he sent this uh, this quote I, I didn't record the quote but the gist is um, 
our attitude towards sin. It is not our attitude towards sin that is our primary indicator of how the gospel is changing our lives. Did you guys get all that? It is not primarily our view or our feeling towards sin that is, a, a, that is an indicator of how uh, the gospel is changing our lives. But it's actually our attitude towards our good deeds that is a truer indicator of how the gospel is transforming our lives. You know, and so as we're talking about, like, doing the good deeds, and like, man, these are necessary things because out of the overflow of God's mercy, out of the overflow of God's love, like, to, to move in action. But, man, it's, a, it's, it's, like, it's, like, a, it's like a hairline over to, to start thinking, and you start doing these good things that, man, I'm, 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 I'm a good person. I'm doing good things. I deserve, you know, I deserve God's blessing. I deserve these things. And so... I, we need God's word. We need God's word. And so what did so what did the apostles do? So they they hear about the grumbling, they hear about the great need, and they know that something needs to happen, and so the solution is they elect among the people seven, uh, seven men filled with the Holy Spirit, reputable men that will take charge, that will, that will serve in this way. They find people that are called and gifted to serve the body, to serve the church. And we know that God is pleased with this solution because Luke in the book of Acts he he says right like the next sentence over he says that the word of the Lord multiplied like this is God's blessing you know it's not so much like we're, we're we're like looking at numbers all the time but man this is this is one of the patterns throughout Luke that Luke talks about how the proof of the of the presence of the holy spirit and 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 of who of who Jesus is is people are coming to faith multitudes are coming to faith and so after this happened now is the first time actually in the book of acts where it says uh that the word of the lord begins to increase so prior to that, it was like the number of believers had increased, and now it's the word of the Lord increased. So much so that even priests have come to faith. Now, if you can think about this, if you've heard of the term unreached peoples, like today, the, the religious leaders, the priests of those days, like those were the unreached people. So God's blessing in a, in a, in a mighty new way that even the priests were coming to faith. This is... Uh, evidence of God's pleasure that he is pleased with their decision. And so, just, uh, just in a practical way for us, you know, as I'm, maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, obviously, man, obviously. I feel like for me personally, um, it feels almost out of character for me because, again, I'm, I'm usually like the guy that's like, no, we need more, we need more action. We need, we need more 
we need to care more about social justice. We need to, we need to see there's, like, there's this problem of, of slavery around the world and all this kind of stuff, right? But but if we align ourselves to the truth that we see today, you know, if we see this as true, that yes, the needs are important, but the priority, like the, 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 the priority of God's church to be committed to his word and prayer, if we see this as true, then it will change the way that we engage this body. It will change the way that we uh, hold expectations here with each other and you know, with church leadership. It will give us as members that perspective that we expect and that we actually want to protect the preaching of God's word. To protect that time that the pastors, like, like pastors, tell me, you need time, man. You got, don't, don't, don't worry about this. Stop cleaning the bathroom, man. Go, you prepare, be in prayer, seek God's will. That's what you've been called to do. I don't know if you guys know this, Pastor Sangmin, he's, he's a guy, he's taking out the trash, cleaning bathrooms, this man, he, like, but he loves his community. But you know what I mean? Like for us as, as a community, to protect him, to be able to do fully what God has called him to do. It's going to change the way that we engage in this body and our expectations. If we align ourselves to this, we will also, we'll hold in our hearts and our minds the priority in our relationships outside of church, in our relationships and in our personal encounters of the priority of the ministry of the Word of God. Where love and good deeds, we're living these things out because of who Jesus is and because of the grace that we have, but still knowing in our, in our minds and our hearts the priority, like, our friends, those that we love, like they, they got to hear the good news about Jesus. You know, we know that like love, uh, like good deeds, you know, like they warm hearts, right? They can warm hearts to receive the gospel, right? You know, generosity and hospitality and um, just all, like these things can, can warm hearts to, to receive the gospel. But at some point, you got you to gotta give them the gospel, Right? You can warm up the oven all you want, but you still got to put in the, the actual ingredients you want to cook a meal, right? So that's going to hold that in our minds. And, and, and again, guys, I'm not, I'm not promoting like that we got to be doing this all the time, like throw Bibles at people and, and you know, people are not going to like us then. Force feed people the gospel. That's not what I'm saying, but just that we hold in our, again, our, in our hearts and in our minds, like the priority, like, man, seeking seeking God's guidance, the Holy Spirit for opportunities, growing in our knowledge and in our fellowship with God. Okay, so I'm going to ask, I'll ask one, one question for all of us to consider. And this is one question just for us as, as a church. Um... How can, how can you come alongside, how can you come alongside your pastors and other leaders to help keep King's Cross moving ahead? Can we consider that? How can, 
how can I come alongside my pastor and my leaders to help keep this church moving ahead? Let me pray. Father, I just... um, God, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for the grace. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you that your word shines the light into the depths of us to reveal our truest needs, our true needs, our eternal needs that only that we can only find in you, that we can only find in your word. And so I thank you, Lord, that you've given us your word. I thank you for hearts and minds that can begin to understand it and grasp it and accept it and believe it and proclaim it. And so I pray, Father, for all of us, restore in us the joy of salvation, restore in us the joy to proclaim this amazing grace that we have in you, Jesus. And I pray that this joy, that this truth, that this gospel would move us into how we love our church, how, to, how we love each other, how we love those that we encounter throughout the day. And I pray, God, that we would have, that you would be giving us opportunities and eyes to perceive these opportunities to share. Yes, God, would you build in us, God, in our lives, a growing priority of your word and fellowship with you through prayer. So thank you for this time today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.